Welcome to This Week in the 90s, brought to you by Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. This week, we are talking about the three amigos. No, not that dodgy 80s film. Talking about three big superstar signings this week in the 90s as a German jets in to White Hart Lane. We get a bit of vavavoom at Arsenal and the local lad comes home in a record transfer. All that and loads more to come on This Week in the 90s. This is Jason Summerby, star of the Renford Rejects, and you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Remember, keep it 90s. Thank you very much for downloading us as per usual. Hope you are very well. Um, you're enjoying the sunshine. It's been bloody hot, hasn't it, uh, the last few weeks in London. It's got that summer's special summer feeling. Like Euro 96 people are making it akin to. It's not quite that special, but it's been it's been fun. The World Cup, people tweeting about Love Island, all that nonsense. Um, and we went live, which we'll talk about in just a second. But let me introduce my comrades this evening. Firstly, he's a social media mogul for many of TV greats. He's a Borough fan and he's our Joel Young. Joel, how you doing, buddy? I'm all right, but I, I really need to say, Ashley, you know, you, you're talking about how hot it's been in London. You know, this is like 018-018-055, you know, if you're outside London, 401, you know, most of our listeners, I would guess, are outside London, you know, <laughs> although it's, it's been, been hot, hot all over the country. Yeah, yeah well, I yeah, well, hang on a minute, you've got a third, a, third of, uh, a third of the team are outside of London, <laughs> you don't mind well, me saying. Well, I'm getting to you. But I'm just saying, no, like, I'm sticking up for everybody outside London, Matthew. Crikey, blimey. Yeah, somebody has to, mate. Somebody has to. Well, yeah, I... no, all I'm saying is, you know, it, it has been very hot in London. And, you know, I mean, you know that. But it, it, it's also been hot everywhere else in the country. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, you know, all covering all bases. outside London. Yeah. What is it? 8018055, that's the number for Swap Shop and indeed Saturday Superstore. I've and perhaps Going Live, although I think Going Live was 018181. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, 0181, 0181, 0181, Johnny Nelson. Yeah. Hey, hold on. Where did, how do you know Johnny oh, Nelson? I know. He does a football thing with um, Lana Del Rey, doesn't he? No, that's not her name. Some some quite, you know, well-known, non-attractive... No, she is attractive <laughs> um, lady on uh, Instagram. Holy smokes. Yeah. I mean, well, Johnny, uh, Johnny's a good friend of mine. Oh, okay. He's a Preston North End fan as well, by the way. I wish you get him yeah. on the show. Well, he's a sense Saturday mashup. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen that. Come yeah. on, but what are you going to talk about about uh, bloody Preston in the nineties? I mean, what's uh, going to talk about Arsenal in a Dave, FA Cup? David Beckham going on loan. Yeah, yeah there's 95. a bit we could talk about. Yeah, oh, they played Arsenal. We could talk about Beckham on loan. Actually, yeah, yeah. they no, played. Do that, yeah, right, I'll get, all right, I'll get Johnny on. We'll get Johnny yeah. Nelson on for those who know him. Yeah, they played Arsenal yeah. in a FA Cup. I think it went to penalties. I was in Swanage on a school trip watching it. I remember it. Alex, Alex Manninger. Were you near? Were you near? Um, were you near um, a newspaper shop? Uh, no, not, I wasn't near a newspaper shop. No, not not on that time. No, I was in a the Townsend Centre. That's what it was called, where all the school trips go. Boring jogger. Anyway, shall we introduce Matthew? Yeah, that other voice you ever heard is our. He's the he's the other well the the third as he just said of our trio here. Um, he's a writer for many plethora of outfits, sportsman, tifo. Matthew Christ, how you doing, Matthew? Is it my turn to come in now? Is it? I think you already did, but yeah. go on. You already yeah. did that, yeah. <laughs> well, ju- just for the record, seeing as we're keeping it, you know, north-south divide, north and south, wasn't that a ni- when they a 90s band? They were a 90s band, um, yeah. Off a team show. the song was, but they yeah. definitely uh, did that. Breathing. Yeah. Breathing was That's the song. The yeah, I've got but, the, I've got the uh, CD single somewhere. But in answer to your what, question... What, by north and south? Yeah. Yeah. Get them on the show. Breathing. I think it went like that. <laughs> oh, that is niche. That is very That's niche. Time. But anyway, in answer to your question, yes, it's been extremely hot up here in the northwest, and I think we're the only region in the country that's, ha- that's got a hosepipe ban. So it just goes to show we're either really bad at saving water, or we've had it just as hot as you guys down there. And talking of it's down because there, you're too busy drinking drinking beer. Well, it's cheap. Yeah, one sixty a pint is cheaper to drink beer than it is to drink water. But um, Talking of which, I've only just got over the shock of having to pay £6 for a pint of Foster's in London the other weekend when, when we were down there. Obviously, I was there for a couple of days. But you didn't and... have to pay that at, 
you didn't have to pay that at the place that we did no. our well, life's little life. Well, of course, though, of course <laughs> not, because they were very hospitable and uh, very, uh, made, made sure we were fully refreshed. But yeah, that, as right. you know, I... Let's talk about that. Let's talk about our yeah. live show because I think we we um we had fun. We enjoyed it. Uh, for those of you who haven't listened to it, go back in the archives, as they say. Uh, last week's show, we did a a live version of a live and kick in at a, the brand new Golazzo Bar on, in Camberwell, which is dedicated to football Italia in the nineties. Go check them out on Twitter, Golazzo London, and get down there yourself if you're London based or if you're in for the weekend from up north. Everyone is allowed to come. Oh one eight one eight one one and all that. Um, but yeah, I think it went well. Would you? I mean, Matthew, how did you? you were, we were staying in the pub afterwards. We really enjoyed it. We've been talking about maybe doing some more. It was a good, uh, good night out, wasn't it? Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought the, the guys there were really, really friendly and welcoming, and um, it was obviously nice to come down there for the weekend and see everyone, catch up with a few people that we sort of we feel like we know through the show, but uh, several of which we haven't met in person, which we did that night. Um, had a good chat with everyone, and I, I really enjoyed our little little stint on the stage. I don't know about you, but I think um, I think it went I think it went swimmingly well. Yeah, I think so. Joe, you enjoyed yourself. You almost stole a picture oh, of um, Ravenelli off the wall, didn't you? I had a lovely time. I, I thought I think it's a lovely venue. I think we had a nice time with Tony. Obviously, he allowed me to take the piss out of him. And he, he, what did make me laugh is that he said that once a week somebody comes and bothers him about, um, you know, some Middlesbrough fan comes up and bothers him about. No, it's just you bothering him once a week. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what it is. Well, no, I did, hey mate, I, I'm off social media, so I did it once. Oh. And that's it. Oh. You know, that's that's a story for the end of the show. But yeah, no, really nice venue, really nice place. Um, we had good fun with Tony, who was just such a good sport. Completely into what we did, um, and Mark Hurley was obviously good value. Yeah, lovely, lovely venue, lovely place. If you're around, you know, in the South London area, get yourself down there, have a couple of drinks, go and see Tim, tell him that AK90 sent you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Tim, the lovely owner there, he's uh, he's out this haven of 90s Italian football. Panini cards on the wall. There's Gazzetta del can we Sport tell on the, the ceiling. Can we tell the first thing that I saw when I walked in? That you almost style. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so I walked in, and the first thing I see is. Ravenelli, Esther Middlesbrough. <laughs> that was like, yes, mate. This is the place I'm meant to be. I suddenly got my. T- was it you, Matthew? I got my picture taken next to you with it. I can't uh, remember. No, I think no. I got the picture of you sneaking it into your bag just as you. <laughs> I haven't stolen it. I haven't stolen no. it. I haven't. No. Honestly, he said he would give me it, but Tim had paid twenty-five pounds for that actual edition wow. of Gazetta dello Sport. Where um, Ravenelli had been sold to Middlesbrough, and I was like, "Well, in that case, I definitely can't speak." That's, that's it, a you know, serious honest. eBay, and he must have done for a lot of those. Because mm. obviously, he, uh, if you haven't listened to the show, we had Tony Dorigo on, who is absolutely fantastic value. Um, we had him previously on the show; he was brilliant then, but even more better in person. Really nice guy. Um, but they presented him even with... more better. Hold on, Ash, come on, even Wait, more better. It's eleven o'clock at night. I've been working with YouTubers all day. My uh, vocabulary is not as quite as it usually is. <laughs> YouTubers, they're the future, but God, I felt old today. But I think Tony Diego was presented with a Gazzetta Letella Sport himself, wasn't he? With a profile of him ahead of the third place playoff yeah. Yeah, in 1990, which I think was very special for him. Um, I think Tim enjoyed presenting it and interrupting our show as well. <laughs> Bless him. Um, but no, yeah, it went really There's a well. nice picture of me laughing while it happens so that's good yeah well we're waiting to see the, the Scott Tweed friend of the show who's who's been there from day one he's been on the show very early on as well um, he was taking pictures on the night um, hopefully they'll be um, all live soon I've seen, we've seen a few of them but I know he was snapping away quite a lot so I can't wait to see all the pictures from the evening we'll put them on social and uh, um, yeah thanks, thanks very much to Scott for, for joining us and, but it was good to see Scott and Greg and um, Mr Sid Lambert of course um, flexed his muscles as well he, he looked very big he did look good but he, he did look good, good shape. Muscles, didn't he? Yeah, and he's on oh, holiday. That lad's been working out. I yeah. mean, he's got nineteen kids or something. <laughs> that lad. Where's and he, he finding time? The, I don't know. I mean, he must have been having some weight gain, three thousand or something. Because the first thing I thought when I saw him was, "Oh, blimey, look at you!" Yeah, I was like, oh, "Hello, hello, Ralph." My wife actually looked at the picture. I mean, oh, I didn't expect him to look like that. And the ooh was a kind of ooh in appreciation of his physique, mm. which made me feel a little bit jealous. Well, because you would expect him to look like a sixty-five-year-old man. In a flat cap, mourning about the state of yeah. football. But actually, what he looks like is a muscle bound hunk. He does. I imagine him on the beach right now. He's on holiday at the moment. So, um, oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
proper um, football was taking a break they're on hiatus which you know he must have one hand on the arm on the doing the dumbbells and the other hand tweeting these brilliant tweets but he has been working out he's looking good and shout out to Greg Lansdowne as well the Panini man who is, we spoke to and the guys from outside right as well one of them's a QPR fan so special shout out to those guys but yeah um, we'll be doing more live shows in the future just you know keep by the way by the way did you see that um, Athletic on Mint obviously mm. Bob and Andy very very funny have claimed that uh, Middlesbrough and QPR are going to be scrapping over 15th in the championship did you see that no I didn't no I think yeah, yeah, mu- I think you'll do much better than we will well I've had a bet on us to win the league well there you go you're more, com- that's well, much more confident that, than 15th we've sold Patrick, Bam- we've sold Patrick Bamford and, and brought in Martin Wagon so I'm yeah that was a random yeah, I don't know what transfer thing, but I'm go- one. I'm go- I- Bamford is a I don't even want to talk about it but um, I think I, I am going to Millwall on Saturday. So any Millwall fans who listen to this, please be nice to me. I'm the idiot with the curly ginger hair. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the first time I've ever been to the den as well. So you know, I go every we'll season. We'll see what happens. So, so if there's if if there's just uh, Matthew and Ash next week, you know what's up. You know, what's isn't that where you got terrible food poisoning, Ash? Or am I? Am I uh, it was Charles. No, it was Charles. Yeah, Charlton. it was Charles. Oh, apologies. Yeah. Apologies to Millwall. Yeah. I no, was, I, uh, I, my brother-in-law is a Millwall fan, so I've, I go once a season if we're in the same division. So it's a nice place to go. They're not as mean as they uh, once were. And I went with um, last season when Ian Holloway made his return, and they wanted to. Kill him, um, but they were pleasantly all right with the the rest of the fans. So yeah, I'm sure you'll be fine, Joel. I can't believe the season no, well, season starting this weekend. It's mental. It feels like it's the World Cup. It's my birthday, just you know, as well this weekend. So have you oh. bought me a gift? Um, the gift of a brand new AK90s. But we'll find something else for you. <laughs> There you go. Thanks. Yeah. That's all yeah. I needed. I'll let you mention Ravinelli on today's show because since we're talking about strikers and big signings, there you go. There's your present. You can mention okay. Ravinelli. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> That's okay. Um, just before we start on what we were talking about, there's a couple of tweets I just wanted to uh, throw out. Um, our friend Daniel Parry, who's all big fan of the show, is always tweeting us. So shout out to Dan. Um, he seems he's retweeted um, a picture from '90s football, friend of the show, of the transfer. A picture that we use for one of our shows when we uh, talked about Enrico Chiesa and he's put oh no don't mention Chiesa so I thought I'd mention him anyway because obviously we always get stick that we didn't realise that he was uh, up there with the I greats. don't know who I don't know who he is no I, yeah. yeah but no in fairness we did know who he was I think if you remember <laughs> rightly we knew who he was we just didn't realise that he'd gone for so much no or he, or he was it's a bit a bit of an urban myth that we didn't know who he was, but that certainly yeah. wasn't the case. I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure Daniel knows that, and he's just uh, he's throwing oh, some yeah, no, bants no, no, out there. He's throwing some bants out there. And the other tweet I wanted to mention. Um, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but Shahan Patrasion, who's been tweeting us lots of um, cuttings from 90s magazines. I thought this was a brilliant one today. I retweeted it myself on uh, Twitter at AK90s. It's, it's a picture of six players from Match's 1996 yearbook and they're Premier League up-and-coming stars. So these guys were potential who they think were going to be brilliant in the following season. So they've got David Beckham, which, you know, they did pretty well with that guess. Uh, Alan Thompson, again, pretty in AD, well, okay. He's got a decent career. Yeah, decent career. Um, goes slightly downhill after this. Well, I personally, I'm biased and I say it wouldn't, but Kevin Gallon's in there. But at the time, people were expecting Kev to do a no, lot. No, no, everybody thought he's going to be like like challenging Shearer, so you know. Yeah, that's yeah. what they mentioned in the actual piece, actually, so that he's in the next Alan Shearer. Weren't for an injury early on in his uh, QPR career, could have been. Um, Andrew Cousins, who we've had on the show before, didn't quite work out for him. Um, of, of Leeds United and then the last two I mean their name's not unfamiliar but I never thought I'd be on this list Jamie Pollock <laughs> King Jamie Pollock of the greatest own goal of all time um, in a picture where he's only 21 but he looks about 35 uh, <laughs> check it out on Twitter what was he how was he like at Borough Joel did you like Jamie Pollock Jamie Pollock was Jamie Pollock was going to be the star of the future oh, there really. you go. and then and, and then um, when Brian Robson came in that's obviously going to take a bit, a little bit of shine off your career. Um, but he was kind of... Once Robson came in, he never quite found his way. And then he went to Osasuna and then back to Bolton. And he never quite found what he was meant to be. So he's one of them that was meant to be an awesome player and it didn't quite happen. And now if you see the like, I, I don't want to be rude, but yeah, it's the size of a bloody house. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, at, at a decent house like in Middlesbrough, you know, like... A, a, <laughs> Like something like a, a semi-detached that you'd get for about seventy thousand pound. I mean, you know, he's probably about that big. 
not the size of something you get for seventy thousand pound in London because that would be quite small, but definitely like seventy eight thousand pound on Tea Side. Yeah, that's a, that's a couple of pints in London. That is. Um, and then, yeah, tell me, tell me about it. And then oh, last, shut up, morning. <laughs> <laughs> and the last player on this list, Richard Edgehill. Now I have a story about Richard Edgehill. Oh, go on. I've told you. Well, I've told you the story before, haven't I? About um, going for sausage and mash with Trevor Brooking. Yes. Yes. Okay, so I was watching match of the day. Well, I was watching. Uh, it was Charlton versus Manchester City. And I was sat watching it with Trevor Brooking, Sir Trevor Brooking, mind you. And I was going, he was going, oh, look at this player, look at this player here. And he was explaining some really interesting passage of play. And I was like, yeah, but Trevor, like, none of this counts because Edgel is offside. And then he went, God, you're right. Why is nobody noticed that? And he made the fact that Edgel is offside in this goal in the 2000, opening of the 2000, 2001 uh, season. He made that the opening of his... Um, thing about that so yeah there you go yeah. Richard Edgel was offside yeah. uh, and Charlton should have scored yeah. yeah later played for QPR as well decent player I don't yeah. think he'd ever um, the potential list on that one but I just thought that was fun to point out from 1996 um, that's talk 1994 first of all because we're talking about three big transfers we're in transfer silly season although the deadline's like in two Fridays time and no one seems to be signing anyone like, I think they forgot in 2018 there was a World Cup when they sort of shortened the transfer deadline this season it's a bit silly um, but we're talking transfers well there wasn't transfer window and we're talking about three massive ones of the decade that kind of changed not just the 90s, but also the Premier League in general, um, kicking off with arguably the biggest import signing of the decade. I know Dennis Burkham is probably the only argument you could have to this, but on the 29th of July 1994, Jurgen Klinsmann flew in to White Hart, Lines, White Hart Lane, I should say, for £2 million from Monaco. Um, it was one of those massive transfers out of nowhere, a player that was at the peak of his powers, just come back from World Cup. 94, where he'd scored four goals for Germany as they went out in the was it quarterfinals I think to Bulgaria, if I remember rightly. It was seen as a, a sort of a marquee signing for the Premier League because it was someone in the peak of their powers, wasn't somebody at the end of their career. Um, the closest you could really compare it to at that point was when Tottenham signed Ricky Villa and obviously Adilis a decade before. But he came in, uh, Matthew. We're coming to you first. What do you remember about Jurgen Klinsmann joining the Premier League? Yeah, but this opens that usual uh, annual can of worms, doesn't it? The old question, who was the foreign import that changed everything for um, English football? And I suppose you'd have to you'd have to put Klinsman in there. But then you can't forget that uh, two years before this, Cantona had uh, had come along and changed a few things. But then was he a, was he actually officially an import? Because he was obviously playing in this country anyway. So maybe we could. The thing uh, is. Matthew, sorry, yeah. I'm going to jump in now. But Cantona wasn't a star before yeah. he came to England. Yeah, no, no. Whereas Jürgen Klinsmann was yeah. a complete well, star. Yeah, I was going to get to that because I was going to say a lot of people say um, uh, Dennis Bergkamp, obviously. But I think you're right. I think, yes, Cantona went on to become a star and he obviously changed a lot of things and changed the, the future of Manchester United ultimately. But um, yeah, he wasn't signed on that on that basis whereas Klinsman really was wasn't he he was brought in he was sort of parachuted into the into the Premier League and my god did he uh, did he change everything when he when he did arrive and that I mean we all remember that game uh, where at Sheffield Wednesday when he burst onto it's the scene you, with yeah the, yeah um, the, the goals the classic celebration the diving celebration and um, it all just seemed to work didn't it the, the, the timing of his arrival the the way the Premier League was going at the time, it, it was uh, it was a sort of line in the sand moment, really, wasn't it? To use the use the old cliche, and um, I suppose we never really looked back. Mm, no, from, uh, I think what surprised a lot of people as well. I remember the press conference when Jurgen came in because we had this image of Jurgen Klinsmann from 1990, where he was part of the um, Germany squad that won the World Cup, also involved in the sending off in the final. Of course, he'd won medals with Inter previously, and were part of that German three with Bremer and Matthias. So we had this image of him being he's sort of you know, a typical, stereotypical German, not, you know, a diver, but he was so charming and so clever in his first press conference. I don't remember this, Joel, that instantly there was warmth to him and then we had the dive. And I think that kind of broke the barrier down and welcomed him to the Premier League. Oh, God, absolutely. I mean, he knew exactly what was going on. He was probably a lot more savvy than, you know, 99% of people in England at that time. You know, he knew 
he knew that he was a good. And how old was he when he came in? Thirty, like thirty. So, isn't that funny that at thirty he was seen as being over the hill and coming here to take the money, and actually ended up being. I think I genuinely think he's the he's the one that made the Premier League the home for foreign players. I genuinely think he's the one who came in. That Tottenham team were absolutely yeah. awesome, and we know that you know was that that was the same year. Was that the twelve points year? That was the year the Hadardilis, then Joe Francis took over. So yeah, they, they were deducted they twelve yeah, points, deducted yeah, points yeah. and then they got them back. They got them back. Yeah. They weren't in the FA Cup. And yeah, then they were in the FA Cup, and they got beat by Everton in, in the, the semi. Yeah. And Everton, Everton went off and won the league. Um, I just yeah. thought Clinton was an absolutely outstanding player. I thought he was charming. He had enough grace to sort of understand what was going on with the with the Premier League and I, I genuinely think more than Cantona although Cantona I think is the bigger Premier League player I think that on the world stage I think the Klinsman is the more important one who told the world yeah this is the this is the league this is where you come well this on that note on, on that note Joe do you think with Klin, after Klinsman had come in do you do you think what happened at Middlesbrough a year or two later would have happened if Klin, if say Klinsman hadn't come here do you think he him coming here sort of made it acceptable and players looked and thought, well, if he's going there, then it's fine for us to go there. Or do you um, think that would have happened anyway? That's interesting. I, I don't think Ravinelli would have come. Um, I think that Brian Robson was a big deal with Borough um, when we were signing everybody we could. But yeah, yeah, I certainly think... Um, no, I don't think Ravinelli would have come at, at all. Um, but I think the whole Premier League... So yeah, if I'm going to say that I think that... Uh, Klinsman was that important in the Premier League then yeah well, I would say they probably yeah, wouldn't I, have come I, do. I think Juninho it, might have done because I think Juninho was, was that unknown. impressed yeah. well Juninho was Juninho was known but wasn't known and he yeah. was impressed with Robson and Robson went over there and met him whereas Arsenal wouldn't go and meet him so I think Juninho would have come I'm not sure about Ravinelli mm-hmm. um, I, I think you, you know, can but I think yeah I think you can we say with Cantona I think he did change the Premier League I think Klinsman was the transfer that changed the Premier League because Burkamp is the argument, but I think Burkamp was having quite a rough time at Inter. We actually, me and Burkamp Greg... wasn't a Burkamp wasn't a wasn't he was damaged goods there. Yeah, because yeah, we were watching in literally on uh, last Friday night in Goal so me and Greg Lansdowne were watching uh, clips of Burkamp playing for Inter Milan on the TV there because they constantly play obviously Italian football from that era. And we were saying that you know if he'd been a success at Inter Milan, he might have never even signed. For Arsenal, because you know yeah. they. Well, we, we we spoke about it the other week, didn't yeah. we? It must, have, it must have been the the week that he signed for Arsenal, and we were saying that he, he came here almost to washed up. And even when he arrived at Arsenal, he was looked upon as a bit of a, a slow burner, wasn't he? He mm. didn't didn't do much in his first five or six games. People were almost accusing him of being a waste of money, and then it obviously all clicked. But um, yeah, I, I agree with with Joe. I mean, obviously, there's been players from abroad that have come to England long before this. You know, you mentioned. Our dealers and 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 Via, and there's obviously players since Roy, then. Roy Wegley, yeah, of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah obviously, yeah, yeah writing down, yeah, John Harks, <laughs> but um, but yeah, he seemed to just it, it just all seemed to to click at the the right time to get the Premier League. Again, we've spoken about this on on the show before. The early year, first year of the Premier League, first couple of years, it, it didn't really look a lot different from. No the old days of the first division it took a sort of two or three years for everything to suddenly become the sort of shiny new product that it's, it now is and we're all used to but um the, the players like Klinsman coming in and then the players that followed him basically because they must have looked and thought well if he thinks it's all right then then we'll go there too and um so i think i think he was definitely the you know he paved the way for, for what was to follow i think mm. some stats for you we like some stats seven goals in these first six games um including wins against west ham everton sheffield wednesday was mentioned on his debut wearing that beautiful purple tottenham away kit one of my favorite kits of the decade <laughs> um and leicester um he sold one hundred and fifty thousand shirts his name on that season and was inducted into madden two swords now i've tried to find a picture of jürgen klinsman in madden two swords so if anyone's got one send it across because google has failed me on this one um, he scored 21 goals uh, in the Premier League, 30 in all competitions. I think most memorably, the winner in the FA Cup quarter-final against Liverpool. Um, as Joel mentioned, they lost in the semis quite uh, shockingly, actually, at the time, because they were favourites going into that game. They lost 4-1 to Everton, the Daniel Amakachi game. Amakachi, yeah. yeah. Two goals from Daniel. He brought himself on that. If the, I, 
think he's told that story on the podcast. Go back in the archive as well to listen to that. Um, he won the uh, Football Writers uh, Award as well for 1994. He was the Ballon d'Or runner-up the, the year after. So the, the season did well for him. Ultimately, not enough for Tottenham, though. Uh, but the best stat I found, and this is on the amusing side, someone's gone out their way to be a little bit funny, but it made me laugh. In the summer of 1994, for the two million Tottenham spent on Klinsman, you could also have got 40% of Chris Sutton, who went Norwich to Blackburn for five million, 67% <laughs> of John Scales, who went from Wimbledon to Liverpool for three million, and 91% of Paul Kitson, who went to, from Derby to Newcastle for 2.2 million. So I thought that was. The, and about four pints of lager in London as well. <laughs> Right, that's not a bingo I'm going to play. Get over the London prices, <laughs> right? Um, going back to his press conference, though. Well, I, what we haven't go on, Joe. mentioned, Ash, is that you still owe me £10. I do owe you £10 because I gave it to Harry, our engineer, for that perfect sound. But I do owe you a ten yeah, English yours, pounds. I think you should. I think surely you should waive that £10, Joe, shouldn't you? Seems it was all such a success and the, the show <laughs> sounded it sounded so no, good and professional. Also, uh, to claim that back, I think. I paid £20 for a microphone. I also paid £20 for a microphone, you know, with David Bedale, and that wasn't such a success. <laughs> oh, that was, a, that was a great as one. That's our best ever episode. Um, which no, I, I just meant sound-wise, you know. Well, just, people didn't mind because they listened to it, and I will, oh, as I said, I will fully embarrass you for that microphone any time you want, Mr. I'm Mr. Not, I'm not going to squabble about 30 quid, Ash. Come on. <laughs> you, you brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's on his yeah, soapbox right. tonight, I warn you guys. He's on his soapbox. Um, and Yeah, what I was going to say, he famously said, to begin with, uh, in his press conference, he had a question for everyone is there a diving school in London so he showed his, his charm and stuff um, and he said later on one of the reasons I'd come to England was the passion of the crowds that I saw on German TV watching the big Liverpool teams of the 70s it was very different to Monaco I had an amazing coach in Arsene Wenger but there was not much passion in the team there you were not driven by your environment you had to de- de- develop hold on hold on hold on yeah I didn't know that Arsene Wenger had been his coach at, at Monaco. Monaco the season before yeah oh wow that's interesting isn't it mm. So um, and he, he finished that by saying, in England you run twenty miles an hour automatically because of the crowd. You have a lot more drive for them to give you and to give you all that you have got for them. So I mean, because it's I mean, people often question why he came to Tottenham because although Tottenham were and have always been a name at that time, they were a mid-table-ish kind of cup team. They weren't yeah, like challenging. Yeah. yeah, they weren't really challenging for it. But it was you know obviously done well at Monaco. His, his career at that point, he'd scored one hundred and sixty-eight goals in three hundred and eighty-eight top-flight games, which. We live in a world of Ronaldo and Messi stats, but that's still pretty impressive. In I think he also did a, a lot for the face of German football as well. Because if yeah. you think back then, if you think back then, the, the nineteen ninety, the West Germany team that won it were, I mean, yeah, pretty good. You know, some great players, Matthias and what have you. But it was a pretty dull final, and, and they obviously didn't do too well in ninety four. But in the early nineties, yeah, there was still this very much this sterile anti, yes, yeah. and an anti German feel. I mean, now. I mean, I'm, I'm quite glad because I've always quite liked Germany and German football. But now German football is almost seen as the, the be-all and end-all of, of football. But back then, it really was, people were quite hostile towards uh, German football. Not just the football, but, you know, the, the Germany as a whole. And I think him coming over here with that sort of attitude and being prepared to take the piss out of himself and, and, and charm people, really. And I think it, it, it sort of laid, laid the groundwork for years to come that would pe- people would uh, ultimately then go on to sort of embrace everything that was good about German football so um, I think he can take a lot of credit for that as well I, I was at the uh, the QPR game that season we drew one all I think yeah one all just checking then Barnby scored and he was the best player on the pitch he was just he just one of those you know you just can tell he's an, a, 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 a level above everybody else his movement I remember a goal he scored against Everton as well really early on in the season which was like a I think that game. was his sec- I think that was the second game yeah wasn't it? I think, or the second game. or third game yeah, yeah. Absolute world class, and yeah, I mean, he obviously came back as well um, later on when they were battling relegation for that loan spell. But I think that season really changed as well. Unfortunately, it didn't um, end on a great note for him. He was sold to Bayern Munich the season after, um, and Alan Sugar famously tossed the Klinsman shirt to the ground during an interview and claimed that he wouldn't even wash his car with it. Then he brought him back a couple of scenes later, didn't he? Good old Sugar. Um, but that was um, Jurgen Klinsmann. Then we're going to switch from Jurgen Klinsmann to a local lad come good. You may have seen this on our Twitter feed, on many other Twitter feed as well, because everybody's defeated about it, including the man himself. It was 30th July 1996 that the £15 million man, world record transfer fee as Alan Shearer left Blackburn Rovers to join his hometown team of Newcastle United allegedly turning down Manchester United. So that's go to Matthew first. I mean, there's stories that Martin Edwards 
was said come out and said that Blackburn refused to let Shearer go to Old Trafford. She, um, Alex Ferguson apparently wasn't really in for him that time. It was before, but he's, he's there's still this kind of stigma that Shearer turned them down as well. I mean, where do you stand on the the whole Shearer never coming to Man United? Um, well, there's two, there's two ways of looking at that. I mean, we and we have discussed this before on the podcast from a United point of view. I'm disappointed he never did come. I think he would have been absolutely brilliant in that in that era in that team. I mean, it's a it's an old 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 opinion, but you just imagine how many goals he would have he would have scored for United. I think this, the story went that um, he United were interested and Blackburn slapped an extra ten or an extra five million. I think they would said if United wants him, it's going to be twenty million quid. Yeah. But if, if he wants to go to Newcastle, then. It was fifteen, wasn't it? Fifteen, really? fifteen. Yeah, and that's the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I think there's a, a slightly biased view from a lot of United fans that, that you know, that almost a disbelief that he didn't go to United. Now, we, we spoke about this a year or so ago on the show, and, and I think he genuinely, really wanted to go to Newcastle. I mean, I'm not, yeah. he obviously would have been quite happy at United, but I, there's, a, there's a sort of general consensus that he made a massive mistake by going to Newcastle, but. And it'd be great to hear Joel's view on this in a minute when he starts talking about Keegan. But if you remember, if you remember back then, Newcastle were the team almost in the ascendancy. It's easy to to forget that now and think it was a huge mistake. But if you looked at United in the mid nineties, quite often had spells where they looked like they were going to crumble and, and and dip out of form. And, and Newcastle, well, Blackburn showed that a couple of years before, and then you had Newcastle coming up on the on the rails. And maybe Shearer did look at the the whole project with. Keegan think this is the better move for me plus it was his hometown team so I wonder whether you actually asked Shearer himself whether it was such a big mistake obviously in hindsight you could say he would have won five six seven league titles and god knows what else but I don't think at the time it was such a obvious decision um, I think it's something that a lot of people like to look back on with hindsight and think think that's the case but it, I mean I don't know what the odds were at the time but I think Newcastle were seen as the uh, probably the the team to be at I mean United mm. quite famously had their sort of clear outs and, and, and they always came good and again with hindsight we saw that it quite often worked under Ferguson but it's, I wouldn't have blamed him at the time for looking at Newcastle and thinking well this this is maybe where the balance of power is shifting to Mm. No, it's, no, it's an argument, we, a discussion we have had before, and it makes perfect sense. You know, they were the entertainers at the time. They had this they had Les Ferdinand to, to partner up with as well, although he left Chris Sutton behind. Let's get the northeast view, uh, Mr. Young. I mean, obviously, it's a different side of, of that area, but how, what do you remember about this big... I mean, I always say, I think I've said it on the show before, I think Des Lynham interrupted the Olympic coverage to tell us this transfer happened. Um, he was the top scorer at Euro 96. How do you remember Shearer going to Newcastle going down? Well, obviously, it was the hugest news, huge, 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 huge in the northeast. You know, it, um, mostly because uh, all of the uh, northeast journalists are Newcastle fans. <laughs> he, he said, biting his tongue. <laughs> no, no. But um, what I always think about she were going to Newcastle is why wouldn't you? Yeah. I always thought he was the. I always thought he thought he was going to be the missing piece in that jigsaw and they never quite got that jigsaw right. But why wouldn't you, as a mad Newcastle fan, and you, you know you're the best striker in the world, and he was, you know, yeah. he absolutely was. Why wouldn't you want to go there and help your hometown team win the league? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think, it's, I think there's a, a certain... You would do that and, and he... And, and he, he'd had a couple of slights from Alex Ferguson, so he said when he was at Southampton. And then Blackburn weren't going to sell it when because of everything else. No, I sort of absolutely understand why he did it. Was it the right move for his career in terms of pots and trophies? Probably not. But was he as happy as happy he could be? Yeah, I would say. And I mm. think that is much more important. I watched his unveiling because of the video we posted on earlier in the week, and I think you, we've come a kind of sort of accustomed to it around Madrid doing these big, right, these big things. But that, I'd never seen anything like it at that point. Twenty thousand fans turned up outside St James's Park just to see some bloke walk out 
sort of wave a little bit and say a little bit on the mic. It, it was insane at the time. Um, I actually watched, um, uh, there was a show Geordie's, on... Geordie's Fire Rash. Uh, well, no, fair play to him. I mean, I, there was a show on um, Sky Sports Football the other night. I needed a football fix and happened to be Alan Shearer and it was just talking about his Premier League career and he was talking about that moment. And uh, as you say, Joel, why wouldn't want, you know, I would want to, if I was a footballer and I could actually play and I didn't have two left feet, I'd want to play for QPR and score at the loft end. He wanted to play for Newcastle and score at the Gallagher. You know, that's as a football fan that is the biggest dream and he achieved that you know 20,000 yeah. fans cheering his name he got and like we said like I said he wasn't going to Newcastle who were no going to finish 10th 12th in the league you know he was going to a team who a lot of people did think were going to win the league I mean you bear in mind they almost should have won the league you know that I genuinely think he thought he was going to be the missing part of that. Yeah, point. I think yeah. he did too. And that was, you know, I don't think he did. Keegan needed to even sell it to him. You could see that, this, you know, signing the best striker in the world for a team that almost won the league the previous season. He already had Les Ferdinand there, who was PFA Player of the Year anyway. So had these two guys up front together. Although he, started... are we going to tell? The, are we going to tell the '99 story now? The ni- what's the '99 story? Oh, the oh, the, the number nine. The number nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Go on, you... So Shearer, Shearer, one of Shearer's um, conditions of signing was he, he was going to get the number nine shirt, and then uh, Les Ferdinand kicked off and said, "Well, if he's going to have nine, I want to have ninety-nine. Mm. So they were going to be the nine-nine-nine, and the Premier League put the kibosh on it. Now they probably wouldn't really. No, they get away with it now. Yeah, yeah, they get away with it now. But what you got to have now in the Premier League is you like well, whatever number you like, as long as there's somebody within. 10 digits of that <laughs> something like that yeah this so now wrong. they put some kid at 89 some kid some reserve kid at 89 79 69 49 39 and then they'd be all right but yeah that's what they wanted and he wouldn't have that but yeah uh, it's funny you should say that because on that documentary they talk about that and he says that he didn't demand the number nine shirt he asked Kevin Keegan would Les mind which is I thought was absolute BS yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, that's nonsense. Um, he's the, he didn't start off very well at Newcastle in fairness the first couple of games they obviously lost the charity shield to May United 4-0 thus fueling this you know argument that he should have gone there then they he didn't score away at Everton in the first game of the season but his first goal free kick against Wimbledon in the 88th minute on his home debut and from then on I mean we know the story the rest is history as they say 260 goals in the Premier League he's Newcastle's record goal scorer I mean that season he finished 28 goals they finished second again seven points behind United and unfortunately for, for him but he was top scorer he was PFA player of the year um, you know you had the 5-0 against United the 7-1 against Tottenham that led to Keegan resigning Doug Leach coming in I mean that probably his best overall season this first one and 97-98 was ruined by injury and then you had the Lennon fiasco as well um, and then 99 you kind of come down to the Gullet years and obviously what happened on that fateful rainy stormy night on St James's Park when uh, Sunderland played Newcastle when he was on the bench and uh, Ford fell out with um, Rude Hullet but I mean for that period Joe from 96 to 99 he's like you say him and Ronaldo, two best strikers in the world, weren't they? Oh, God, absolutely. I mean, even me, even me as a Middlesbrough fan, I, I can't deny it, you know. I, I remember being like, I must have been about 19. I remember arguing, you know, because I think when you're young, you just want everyone who plays for the team that you hate to fail over and over again. I remember saying to my stepdad, ah, nuts to Shearer, nuts to Shearer, I can't stand him. Like one and gone, I would sooner have Seaman than Shearer. And my stepdad Chris just went, "Yeah, but Shearer will win your games. Like he's going to get you three points. Seaman's only ever going to get you one." Mm. I was like, "Oh God, yeah." And that was like a big part of my football understanding. Um, yeah, just wonderful striker, you know. Just a, you know, like I always think that Kevin Phillips, obviously not in Shearer's league. But, you know, both great strikers. But when they play against the people, um, when they don't play for the people that you love, nuts to them. Mm. Matthew, was the only thing missing? I mean, you had those two finals in 98-99 Newcastle, um, silverware. It never really happened for Alan Shearer. But do you you think he cares? Do you think it was enough for him to be Newcastle's number nine? I hope he doesn't, to be honest. I hope he thinks he... He did it for the right reasons, like Joel said. I can totally understand why he did it. I think there's a lot of resentment from United fans that he didn't sign for United. I'm not quite sure why, really. I mean, obviously, it would have been fantastic, but there seems to be a lot of ribbing and and piss-taking that I don't really get because, you know, say in any other team, he probably would have won the league. I mean, if he'd been in that team that that should have won it in 96, you know, I mean, just think what he would have 
what he would have achieved there and, and, and what he could have achieved at Newcastle in a way it, it sort of shows Newcastle's failings not not his that they didn't capitalise on the position they were in obviously United were flying at the time and then Arsenal came along as well but um, no I hope I hope he thinks it was the right decision and I hope he, it was a childhood ambition and good luck to him I've certainly got no um, no resentment at all not that he would care about what I think but, um, of course he would he's an avid but, listener of the show we should, we well, need to, yeah. he's been on it he doesn't know it but he's been on this show um, <laughs> um, Matthew, um, yeah. What, what do you think United's history would have been like with Shearer? More well, European I'm Cups, tra- I think. Well, I'm trying. To, yeah, I'm trying to think what you know. So he joined in uh, what was it? So ninety six, ninety seven. I'm trying to think who would have he would have who he would have eclipsed or who he would have replaced. I mean, I suppose. What him and Cole? Dwight, I Dwight York, yeah. Um, I suppose it would have been him and Cole. I mean, I'm sure he. Yeah, I think in Europe, I think we've spoken about this before, I think United were very naive in Europe in the 90s. I think they were, they were winning things domestically, but just didn't know how to kick into gear abroad or in European competition. I think Shearer would have offered that sort of experience and just the, the sheer ta- raw talent as well, I think. Um, but it's strange because if you think about it, the United did have some bloody good strikers. So I assume just players like Sheringham and, and, and maybe Dwight York wouldn't have wouldn't have wouldn't have got a look in or wouldn't have signed but um i, I, I would if, have had i would have had signed him, in 1992 because man united were in for him then well, as well weren't is, they i'll tell you what they certainly wouldn't have lost that league <clears throat> on the last game of the season at west ham yeah. sure have been playing for them because he <clears throat> he would have he would have banged in goals but so uh, i think in a way that would have been more of a yeah a what if question because by the time he didn't sign for them in 96 he, they had sort of almost clicked into this Machine where they were, they had a, a great stri- uh, you know, striking lineup. But the, the '92 one, yeah, because then you would have said, well, maybe obviously Cantona probably wouldn't have come, and then they would have, you know, that that would have really that's 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 one of those sort of sliding door moments. But I think, um, yeah, I think when he when he was sort of became available again in '96, um, maybe United weren't as keen as they could have been. Maybe in in the years that have passed since, maybe Ferguson would have pushed the board more and said, look, if they want £20 million, we'll pay £20 million, which he probably has done in the past when he's known he's wanted to play. But I'm su- it's maybe not surprising that United said, well, you know what, if that's the case, then stuff you, you can go somewhere else. Because you've got to remember, they were sort of in the peak of their power at the time. But certainly I would have, I would have welcomed him with open arms. I mean, what more they could have won, I'm not sure. But um, I, I think they'd have, pro- they'd have probably taken a few more titles off Arsenal, I think, mm. in, the, in the late 90s. And my dad never rated him. Idiot. <laughs> Let's finish then. Um, we've kind of got the, the transfer that changed sort of the, the foreign import in the, in the Premier League in 1994. The transfer that changed it for the, the transfer fees in breaking the world record fee at the time. I think this guy, although not knowing it at the time, took the Premier League to another level. A 3rd of August 1999. He signed for 11 million, which is an absolute snip when you think about what impact he had on not just the club he played for but for the Premier League going forward and we, I mean when we talk about this guy we are probably talking definitely more about the 2000s stepping stepping into that decade but Thierry Henry signing for Arsenal um, from Juventus where Joe we could say as you say with Bearcamp at the time he was damage good is probably harsh but Arsenal fans weren't over the moon to see him sign. They were actually disappointed that Anelka was on his way out. It, it wasn't the seen as the signing that it ultimately become was it? Well, he's a winger, wasn't he? Well, yeah, pretty much at the time. I mean, that was the thing. That's what I always remember is he was a winger. They were bringing in one of these wingers. It was going to be one of these Arsenal wingers. And and this is a thing that probably harmed uh, Arsene Wenger going forward, really, is he thought he could take a player who played in one position, whereas, you know, uh, Thierry Henry was seen as being a winger, put him as a striker, and he thought he could transform bomb these players but that's um, not to take away from the enormous impression that Thierry Henry made and good God what a striker Mm. yeah for somebody who you know didn't really ever start like that was more of a winger never really prolific he came into Arsenal having scored three goals in 19 games for Juventus the season previously it took him eight games to get going in an Arsenal shirt as well. Uh, Matthew, you, you and Man United were kind of embroiled in this kind of big rivalry at the time. Where, what did you see about the signing of, of Thierry Henry from a Man United point of view? 
Well, at the time, not much, because like uh, Joel says, I don't think anybody really was that that phased by it, really. Because, I mean, I like you looked at the stats earlier on today, and he, in hindsight, again, you'd look and you think, why why did Arsenal go to such lengths to buy a player who was effectively... I mean, his stats at um, Monaco and Juventus were, were pretty poor. But then if you look down the line, suddenly when he goes to Arsenal... It just it's just an explosion. I mean, what's the, what was his ratio there? About one in two and a half games or something ridiculous like that. And um, like you say, he didn't didn't Lightberg came in, didn't score in, in his first eight games. But my God, did he click? And and then he, and he what I think he did was bridge that gap from the sort of great side of the late nineties that we just spoken about that 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 clicked and challenged for leagues with United, and then and kicked them into that next that next decade as Arsenal kicked on and um, and. And chase trophies going into the early 2000s. So, um, a masterstroke of a signing and a masterstroke of a of a bit of sort of tactical nous really to turn a player who wasn't really seen as a goal threat to one of the most prolific scorers, well, in Premier League history. So, um, yeah, so it, it, again, it, hindsight plays a big part because I don't think any of us could sit here and say, oh, I remember when where I was the day that we heard Henri signed and what what we thought he was going to do and he was going to set the world on fire because I don't think anyone really thought that unless you had been following him closely or was a, were a big Arsenal fan at the time. But um, how he how he proved so many people wrong, I imagine, judged on his statistics. Well, I remember at the time because they also signed another striker um, that same summer in one Davor Suka, and, and I I remember watching that. I was at my friend Adam Burditch's house, who um, is no longer really into his football, but at the time I made him watch um, Sky Sports News at the time, and to see this headline that they'd signed Omri, but they also were about to sign Davor Suka, and I w- was over the moon to see that I'll get to see Davor play in the Premier League week in week out, and I thought at the time that would be the signing that would take. Arsenal onto this new level. They had, you know, the best one of the best players in Europe at the time. He was top scorer at World Cup '98. Uh, I didn't really think twice about Thierry Henry, despite the fact that he was a World Cup winner already. And he just it obviously didn't work out for Davor at Arsenal, bar a couple of really amazing goals against Sunderland, and he went to West Ham. But Thierry Henry, I mean, even in his first season, people seem to think he had a slow start. Twenty-six goals in forty-seven games in his first season, ninety-nine, two thousand. It's a pretty healthy return for somebody who wasn't even a striker. So it's the, and then obviously we went on to break the goal scoring record to become this absolute superstar of Avavoom and all that. And we may even see him on a, on a dugout in England very soon because he wants to go into management. Um, he said on upon signing for Arsenal, he had to be retaught everything about the art of striking, which is which is baffling to think he'd sign someone like that. Joe, do you think that's the last sort of masterstroke from Arsene Wenger really in terms of a big name signing that really worked out for him in terms of moulding a player like Omri? Oh wow, that's quite wild because that's what nineteen ninety nine, and yeah. he was there for another seventeen years. Maybe Fabregas, a youngster who came in, maybe or maybe I'm being a bit harsh on him then. But I just think somebody who he made in his own mould. It seems to I be. Think, I think what it does show, Ash, I think it shows that that was it was a signing that uh, you know managers were given a bit of time and a bit of freedom yeah. to make those kind of signings. Now you almost have to sign the finished article every time. And if someone came in now and didn't score in their first eight games, they'd be absolutely. Panned, you know. Everyone's all about the hundred million pound signing. You've got to get this guy in. You've got to. Whereas then, and, and this signing showed that it was a manager prepared to take a bit of a risk, change his his way of playing, and my God, did it did it pay off in the long run? Whether whether a manager would have the balls and the ability to do that now, I'm not sure. Not just Wenger, but anybody. Mm, no, absolutely. Three, uh, 228 goals in total for Arsenal in 376 games. Then obviously went off to Barcelona and won the Champions League as well. Um, so there's our three kind of sort of milestone signings. I'm going to put you all on the spot now. If you were building a team tomorrow, which one of those three first, Matthew, come to you first, which one of those three goes into your team? Burke, uh, sorry, Burke not, we have not talked about Burke, Omri, Shearer or Klinsman? Oh, I could make... Yeah, it's a tough one. I'd make a, I could make a case for all of them as we all could, but I I got to say Shearer. I think he was probably my one of the ultimate players of the nineties. Uh, to be honest, um, I say I loved Klinsman. I loved the, his approach. I loved the way he played the game. I liked him as a character. And Henri was obviously a phenomenal stats man. But um, oh, Shearer would Shearer would walk into my team any day, and Joe, I wish he had. Joe, who would you go for? Um. Best striker I've ever seen, Alan Shearer. No, two for Shearer. Okay, I'm not sure. I'm it's hard. It's hard to avoid. It's hard to 
It's a hard choice. Argue yeah. again. No, I mean, you've just got to look at Shearer. You've got to remember that he came back from what would have been a career rendered injury. Twice, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, twice. And just continued to thump him in. He had passion. He's got drive. And, you know, for as much as I don't like Newcastle, that's his hometown club. And I'd have loved to have him at Borough if he was a Borough fan. You know, that's what you want. You want loyalty. You want love. You want ability. And wonderful yeah Alan Shearer all day long yeah I think you convinced me I, I mean I love the Klinsman story but I think you convinced me who who's the Middlesbrough equivalent hometown hero do you have one who was like an Alan Shearer type um, hometown hero for you guys what in terms of like a striker or anyone a, a, a somebody who, who springs out to mind for you oh god um so I think more Mark Bertram is the one that really springs out from a QPR point of view because he even had the you know the blue hair and everything like but that. I probably say I probably say Woodgate really. Yeah. Um, and I think Woodgate's an absolute wonderful defender. I mean, you don't go to uh, Real Madrid by accident. Um, I I thought he was absolutely outstanding um, as a person. Not so sure. Mm. But, um, we talked about him last but, week, didn't we? About his uh, memorable debut when we were at the uh, the, the live bar. Um, Matthew, Man United. I mean, I suppose you had a, a whole class of '92. Yeah, from really, didn't it's you? Fu- it's, it's funny when you when you I knew you were going to ask me that question. My mind went straight back to sort of ten years before this, and I was thinking, you know, who who would it have been? But um, yeah, obviously you got you got Skulls, you got the two Nevilles, you got Nicky Butt, you got I mean Ryan, Ryan Giggs. I know he was he was. Uh, Born in Wales, or yeah, but he, he was very much a, a Salford lad. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's, there's there's plenty to choose. I mean, if you've got to choose one, Gina, uh, I suppose, um, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, but Skulls was wasn't Skulls from Oldham or something? I'm he's, not sure. He's a big Oldham fan, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure he's actually born. He might have been born in Salford, but um, yeah. I'd, if we're going to class Greater Manchester and as a hometown team, I'd say it's probably Skulls. Mm. Brilliant. Well, thanks, guys. Um, Matthew, earlier you mentioned North and South, which I haven't been able to get out of my mind, and the song that they actually got in the charts with, I'm a man, not a boy. That was it. Yeah, I do remember that. What a tune. They were yeah. From the TV show No Sweat. Do you remember that, yeah. Joel? Come on, you must remember that. That's right up your street. Oh, we've lost him. He's, he's fallen off his stool in shock. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm, I, I was just thinking about falling asleep rather than thinking about the song No <laughs> Oh, it's getting late. Well, let's leave it there. Um, Joel, you're not on the social at the moment, are you? You're having a bit of a blackout. Still there. It still exists. I'm just having a little bit of a break from it. But if you want to go and follow an account that doesn't say anything for a bit, it's that Joel Baby Herc. There you go. When he's back, you'll know. Uh, Matthew, where can people find you? It's, it's funny saying, Joe, you're not on the social at the moment. I say that phrase means different things in different parts of the country, but <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave it there. Come on. Yeah, well, I wasn't making any, uh, yeah, casting any aspersions. Um, yeah, catch me at Matthew J. Christ with lots of old articles about things that happened years ago and rare, now and again things that are a bit more. You're a good writer, I think. You, you know, I mean, don't let anybody else drag you down. You know, I think you could. There you go. Well, 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 I won't. Well, you won't get any higher praise than exactly. that. Exactly. There you go. See so of approval from Joel there. And I echo his thoughts as well. You did stuff. Was it? Did I see you do a Bobby Robson piece today? Well, I was going to say, I know we're doing this week in the 90s, but it was actually, as we record this, it was this week in 2009 that uh, Bobby Robson passed away. So obviously a man that was very much there in the 90s. And uh, so that was my little tribute to him. Yeah, Uncle Bubble, as we called him, the Italian 90, PSV, and later, of course, Newcastle with Shearer as we go. That's nice symmetry there. But follow the show at AK90s. Follow myself at Ash Rose. We'll be back soon with a brand new episode. And a special guest in Steve Lomas will be talking to Alive and Kick In very soon. And until then, keep it 90s.